If you brought your Bibles today, uh, you can go ahead and turn in there uh, to, uh, we'll get there fairly soon, but uh, Luke chapter 5, verse 27 and following, we'll be there in a bit. About 2000, the year 2000, I uh, had already been at the seminary for a little while. I was back home, and we were visiting some friends in Stillwater, Oklahoma, at Oklahoma State University. The Fellowship of Christian Athletes director had asked me to come in and, and lead a Bible study for the group that Thursday night, and so I obliged him and went in and did the presentation. At the end of the presentation, uh, it was customary for the group to kind of line up if they had questions of the speaker and kind of come forward. And so after about a half an hour, the line kind of uh, kept uh, getting smaller. One, one guy I noticed, especially out of the corner of my eye, he would be in line. If somebody came up behind him, he would get out of line and, and go be at the end of the line. I just kind of made mental note of that, thinking that's a little bit strange. Obviously, this guy wants to be the last one in the room. It's about 11 o'clock at night. He comes up to me and he says, Fletch. Now, for those of you that don't know, Fletch is my camp nickname, and I worked in outdoors ministry for about 10 years. So (laughs) at that point, I realized, okay, I don't know who this kid is, but he knows who I am. He said, my name is Skip. You probably don't remember me, but I was a short little fat kid in your cabin in the summer of 1990. And he said, I want to tell you that for the first two, two and a half days, it was the worst days of my life. I sunk. I said, tell me. He said, yeah, I mean, you were Mr. High Energy running around. Hey, come on, we're going to go to the dining hall. Whoa, we're over to the pool. Hey, come on, guys. And he said, and all the other guys were younger or or better in shape. They were skinny and they wanted to run around. And you were just hair on fire going all around. And he goes, I couldn't keep up. And I mean, I'm breathing hard. And He said, Monday was like that. And I begged you, let me call my parents. I want to go home. And Tuesday, I begged you. Let me go home. Then Wednesday came around, it was canoe day. He's like, I don't like the water. It's 20 miles. He goes, we're singing songs on the bus, and I'm kind of sitting there dreading the day. The bus no sooner pulls up to to the riverside, you leap out the back of the bus. Okay, and you start running towards a canoe, you grab a paddle and a life jacket, and you yell to all of those boys, last one to camp's a rotten egg! And you took off, and then you turned around and you yelled, Skip, you're with me, get over here! And so he goes, okay, and he's fumbling, he's trying to get over, he goes, you started paddling, you were down the, uh, down the, the, the creek, he goes, and I'm running, trying to fumble, I'm getting, I get to the canoe barely as we get ready around the first corner, all the other guys are still on the bus going, well, I guess we got to follow them. So they're falling, they're getting around, and we go around the corner, and you had arranged water balloons there, and we got out of the canoe, and the guys come around, and we launched water balloons at them, and they're like, What? And we get in the canoe and we keep going down and they're trying to recover and pick up all the pieces. He said, we get around to lunch and you had another secret place where we were up 15 feet above the river and you had big 10 pound rocks there. And as the guys came by, we were like, 
and they were getting water all in. Whoa, we're being bombed, you know, and, and they're like, ah, ha, 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 we're laughing at those guys. We get back in the Kuna and we, here's your lunches. And then we just throw them lunch bags and we, we make it to camp first and it was awesome. And we're standing on the bank of the river and we're totally going, woohoo, we beat you all. And he said that night, I was the coolest kid in camp because you picked me. You picked me. I said it, uh, it's had an impact on you, huh? He said, it's changed my life. He said, I, I went back from that week of summer camp and I joined, a, I joined a youth group and I just have been on fire for God ever since. I'm, I'm now a youth pastor. Because I want to make sure at least one kid in my lifetime knows what it's like to be picked. I can tell by some of your faces, you wish that story was yours. You wish you'd have been picked. Or you're tired of being picked last, or you were never picked. Or in life, or in business, or at home, there's just this longing in your heart to have belonged, to have been chosen had someone pick you up right where you were at and say, walk with me. I want you to understand that that's what this series about the table is all about. We're going to look through the gospel of Luke throughout this season of Lent because this is what Jesus miraculously does. He eats with people. He walks alongside them, he teaches them, he, he does life with them. And, and whatever the table may be for you, whether literal, you can think back to your childhood and you think back to the days of when you and your parents and your siblings ate dinner together. And, and maybe that's a good thing. And maybe it's not such a good thing as you remember you and your siblings bickering all the time. Or you remember picnic lunches with your family or your friends. Or whether for you, having a seat at the table is really important in business. You want to be at the table because that's where the decisions get made. That's where influence happens. And so you know what it's like to be at the table. Maybe, maybe the table for you isn't literally a table. It's knowing that you belonged somewhere before or that you've been invited to do life with people before. And so whatever that is, whether a literal table that you conjure up in your brain from memory or whether it's a metaphor for being a part of something, during the season of Lent, we're gonna look at Jesus absolutely sharing what it's like to be at the table. And I'm telling you, it's a great thing. It's a great thing to be at the table with Jesus. 
There's no other place that you want to be. You want to be on the same page. That's part of the metaphor. You want to be literally at a table eating with Jesus. You want to come to communion where Jesus says, here's my body and here's my blood. You take and you eat and drink it and you receive forgiveness of sins. Whatever table you desire to be at, that's what we're going to look at. And so this morning, I I want you to know what it's like to be picked by Jesus. How many of you are baptized? Just go ahead and raise your hand. If you're not, it's okay. Okay, majority of us in here are baptized. You understand that at that moment in holy baptism, whether you were an infant, a youth, or an adult, you understand that God picked you. That at that moment, what he absolutely did was he said, I have a blessing for you, I have a gift for you, and you are my, you belong to me, and I'm going to mark you as a brother or a sister in Christ. That's what baptism does, is it marks you. It also drowns you, and it puts you where Jesus was, which is in the grave. But see, the good news is, In Romans 6, it tells us, don't you know that all of you that were baptized with Christ in your baptism, who are now in the grave with him, don't you know that because he rose from the grave, that you too shall rise? So that death no longer wins, cancer no longer wins, the the, the divorce doesn't win, that changing jobs or not having a job doesn't win, that not being picked, it doesn't win. Jesus always wins. And he's conquered the death. He's conquered the grave. And he's conquered sin and hell. And you know what? You get to be with him forever. That's what it means that he has picked you. So in Luke, Luke Chapter 5, verse 27 and following, it says this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at a tax booth. Now again, I want you to understand, first century Palestine, tax collectors are hated. Why? Because when Rome would come in and take over a region, they were kind of smart about this, they would enlist a local who knew who the business owners were, who knew who the farmers were, who knew who was making any kind of money with any kind of project, and they let them bid to become the tax collector. They didn't set out a a complete rate. They just said, hey, give us whatever, you know, 15%. Then the tax collector, he could say, well, I'm going to charge 25. Say, I'm going to make 10, and I'm going to pass 15 on to Rome. They were hated You think we got in bed with the IRS. They were hated. And some tax collectors, they were, they were known for jacking up. I mean, if Rome wanted 15, they could charge 40, 50%. So this is what I want you to picture. If you've ever been hated, not because of your job, but you've just been on the outside circle. You've just not been picked. Or, you know what, you've made mistakes, you've made choices in life, and that meant, well, you have to hang out with that group of kids at school. You chose to play a band instrument, well, you got labeled a band geek kid. Right? If you're known to be a gamer, you hung out with the gamer kids. If you were a smoker, (laughs) 
We called them stoners. I don't think they were stoned, but that's what we called them. They had to hang out together. All the R honors class kids, they hung out together, and all the football players hung out together, and all the track guys hung out together. It's weird. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I ran track, I played football, I was in some honors classes, I played in the band for a little while, and so I kind of knew people, but I, I gotta be honest with you, there were a lot of times in my life that I was like, I, I don't know where I fit. I don't know where I belong. Jesus says, this tax collector's name was Levi. Jesus says to him, follow me. Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. I love that Jesus does this by name. He does the same for us, right? Holy water of baptism, we use name, full name. Why? Because it's important to know that it's by your name. Jesus knows you. Jesus calls Levi the tax collector, says, follow me, and Levi leaves it all behind. The idea here, written in Greek, is that he, he was willing, he thought Jesus was asking him to leave his business and his family and his past behind. Now, eventually, that does come to fruition, but, but in reality, this is not Jesus' first request. He just said, follow me. Levi gets up and follows. He walks after him. The Pharisees and the other teachers of the law who belong to their sect complain to the disciples. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Aren't you a holy man? Aren't you a prophet? Aren't you pure? You claim to be the son of God. How can you be seen with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered, 31. Jesus answered them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. And I've not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. Leave that, leave that last sentence there. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. That's me. I'm not righteous. The, the, Jesus came to call me. The truth be told, he came to call you, none of us here today, holy. None of us righteous in our own rights. None of us by our own skills, gifts, abilities, or talents are right before God. But God said, no, I've come to call the righteous. A doctor comes for the sick. And y'all are a bunch of sickos. That'd make me the chief sycophant. Sicko. You understand that that's our, that's our tribe? That's our group? Bunch of sinners. Last three days I spent at a conference for challenge course facilitators, right? My previous life, 10 whole years. I got to play games and do all sorts of things. I mean, these are, these are my people. Right? This, is, this is the first 10 years of my professional life, up in the air, leading backpacking groups for 21 days at a time, rivers, right, uh, canoeing and rafting, and ah, these are my people. Not shaved, no deodorant, <laughs> long-haired, that's, that's just the ladies. <laughs> yeah. 
And I mean from everywhere, right? Indonesia, Australia, Canada, Italy, and far off places like California, Texas, weirdos. They're my people. They're who I gravitate to. They're who I love. They're who I used to work with. And I love them because they are the kindest, most gentle people I know on the earth. They, they are do-gooders to the hilt. There was even a session called Hugs and Forgiveness. Oh my gosh. Tantric circles. Drumming. I like the drumming. The drumming was cool. I mean, they're out there, right? I mean, this is like the hippie group revisited. But they're my people. And I love them. And they talk about the five elements and they talk about earth, wind and fire and water and space. And, you know, they talk about nature and they talk about it, not a coincidence, but they don't quite know what the higher power is. And they talk about being in the shower in the morning and letting water cleanse you to start your day brand new. And, and they, they talk really close to how I talk. but they're missing Jesus. In all our talk and discussion, I found out that two of them, two of the about 200 folks that were there live in Colorado Springs. So I invited them to our table. Oh, I know they thought it was a professional courtesy. Hey, I'm down in Monument, and if you ever need a ropes course facilitator, or if you need somebody to help, one's a professor, one runs a ropes course for, for kids with disabilities. And, but do you understand they're my people, and I, I invited them to our table. And I don't know when that's going to happen. I don't know if it's going to happen in two weeks, or four weeks, or six weeks, or, or whether it's going to be lunch, or literally at our house, or I don't know where it'll be, but I want you to know, we, in, we invited them to our table. As the conference went along, uh, I, I was just David Dyer. It was awesome. I didn't have pastor on the name tag or anything, you know, and I'd throw things out there. By the end of the conference, this one high school girl was sitting down talking to me. She's like, you're a pastor? <laughs> you? And I was like, what do you mean by that? She's like, you're not like any pastor I've ever seen or heard of. I said, you go to church? She goes, no, I don't like the pastor. I said, we have that effect on people. <laughs> Who are your people? Who's God put in your life for you to invite to the table? 
who has God absolutely placed, not in your memory, I mean smack dab right in front of you and said, invite them to your table. Pick them. You be the one that picks them. You be the one that opens your table. You be the one. You be the Jesus with skin on that sees the person that isn't selected, the person that isn't a part of the team, that isn't a part of the group, that isn't at your table. You pick them. And I'll guarantee you, I'll guarantee you that we will impact our community greater than anyone coming to a church service. If you will leave here and impact one other person who needs to be picked and you spend time with them and you pray over them and it may take you five years, it may take you 10 years, it may take you 20 years to influence them, but will you pick them and introduce them to Jesus? We love them right where they're at. I mean, I sat next <laughs> to people that were so high. <laughs> I thought, this is free. <laughs> and I sat next to people who love on kids with autism. I sat next to people that are teachers in school systems and they love on kids and kids give testimony that they were literally alive and had put down the razor blade because of one person who let them know they were picked and special. You are not just on this earth for your own enjoyment. You are here to be Jesus with skin on, friends. And so I'm gonna ask you, who are you going to invite to the table? You, who have been given so much. You, you, who has been loved so much. And none of us are perfect. None of us. We're not trying to paint a picture of perfection. We're trying to paint a picture to the people and the lives around us who say, I'm open and inviting to you. God has placed you in my life and I am going to pick and choose you. And I'm gonna walk alongside you and I'm gonna love you and I'm gonna forgive you and I'm gonna be gracious to you and you're gonna eat my food because I love you. And friends in Christ, this shouldn't come as a surprise or a shock to us. Do you realize that God has been doing this from the beginning of time? In Genesis chapter two, Right? What does he tell Adam? The Lord God commanded the man, you're free to eat from any tree in the garden. This is my table, right? You can eat anything on the table. Except one, but that's not part of this sermon. <laughs> the part is, is that he said you can eat. And in Psalm 23, do you know how God describes, right? You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, right? When all chaos is going around, when everything is happening, God goes, um, I've prepared a table for you. And you anoint my head with oil, my cup runneth over. It's a table that is filled. It is a table that is ready. And in the midst of all that's going on, God goes, well, I've prepared a table for you. 
And in Isaiah chapter 25, on this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats, the finest of wines. That's God cooking for you. And it's great. And in Isaiah 55, 1, he says, come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money, without cost. Come eat at the table, what he says, because my grace, you can have the best. I hope you're willing to give the best to the one you invite. Because the best has been given to you already. Amen.